This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Brent Jackson, Vice President and Chief Medical Officer of Mercy General Hospital, which is part of Dignity Health, Common Spirit Health um, in Sacramento, California. Dr. Jackson, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Uh, thank you for having me on, Laura. It's a definite pleasure. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about, especially considering the more recent COVID-19 surges across the U.S., but before we dive into our discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, and experiences? Yeah, sure. Um, Like you said, I'm Dr. Brent Jackson. I am the Chief Medical Officer at Mercy General Hospital here in Sacramento, which Dignity Health um, Common Spirit Health Facility. I've been in this role for about three years. Prior to that, I was the physician advisor here for about a year. I came to Mercy General from a local independent practice association where I worked as a medical director, again, there for about one year. And I transitioned into administration after kind of experiencing physician burnout or moral injury or whatever it's called now. I just couldn't do it anymore. Uh, I practiced general surgery for about 15 years, and it just got more and more difficult to provide the quality of care that I wanted to provide. So I left clinical practice and took a few months off to reflect on what next steps would be. I decided to go back to school for my MBA and make the pivot into administration. And I did this with a new goal in mind. And that goal was to find my way into a CMO role so that I'd be in a position to support the physicians who are still in clinical practice and, you know, kind of grease the skids for them and um, try to give them the support that um, I didn't find at places where I'd practiced previously. Absolutely. That, that's great to hear you're in a good spot now. And, you know, when you're thinking about um, your role and the role you've had for the past three years, I, I can imagine there's been a lot of focus on COVID-19. What's it been like to really um, be a chief medical officer at the hospital during this time? What I would have to say, first of all, <clears throat> excuse me, is I'm glad I had a year under my belt in this job before the pandemic hit. Um, but what I found was a large part of my job was, um, you know, when it came to the medical staff, it was managing anxieties and just trying to keep people um, focused on, you know, like, yes, there's a pandemic. Yes, we need to be careful. No, the virus can't hunt you down. And yes, we'll get through this if we all work together. You know, it's basically the message I try to um, drive consistently. Um, but in the executive team side, there was a lot of a lot of information that came out really fast, some of it quality, some of it not so quality. And it was my job to kind of sift through that and try to identify what's good actionable information and what is either something that's likely to get retracted later or something that just um, doesn't seem like it's going to be relevant to us. And then kind of giving that digest to our executive team during the meetings. And sometimes we had to even try to stay ahead of, of official guidance until official guidance came out because um, we were facing challenges that we didn't have guidance yet for, you know, that happened frequently in the early parts of the pandemic. Absolutely. That just sounds, you know, like a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of challenges. Now here we are nearly two years in, what are some of the top issues that you're spending the most time on today? Well, obviously, you know, one of the biggest issues facing us is still COVID and particularly with the, um, Omicron surge that we're beginning to experience. And related to this is staffing. Um, our chief nurse and our chief operating officer are working hard to mitigate the impact of an overall shortage of our healthcare employees. And now we're having them go out um, after getting infected with Omicron out in the community. So it's further exacerbating our staffing shortages. At the same time, we're experiencing uh, 
a high census situation of not just not really COVID patients, but just of general patient, general medical patients, and combining that with um, with a pre-existing staffing shortage, we're seeing um, break nurses that are having to take assignments, and um, you know managers who are actually having to take um, patients on to be able to um, fill in where there are staffing shortages on scheduled shifts. And we're starting to see physicians who are contracting the virus and are out in isolation as well. So these are the things that um, I'm working on currently. Absolutely. And obviously, you know, with um, the physicians and, and staff members who are out with COVID, ideally that's a short-term situation. What types of solutions are you having, are you, I guess, coming up with to fill some of those gaps or what are you having to do in order to mitigate those shortages, both short-term and then long-term strategically? Well, you know, we're, we've got recruiters out there trying to find, um, you know, replacements for the open positions that we have. Because of COVID, we've had a bottleneck in our onboarding process. So even if, as we get people hired, they still have to go through no employer orientation, which has been, um, until recently, um, quite the bottleneck. But now they've expanded their offerings and we're getting more and more people through employee, um, through new employer orientation and through our onboarding process. But then, you know, when they get here, then they still need to be trained. They need to get computer training and all of that. So it takes a little while before they're up and running again. So we've got um, we've got um, processes in place to try to replace these positions, but it just is going to take some time to get everybody onboarded. Got it. Absolutely. And that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess on the other side of things, I know COVID has a lot of stressors on the healthcare system. Um, right now, but what are you most excited about? You know, are there any projects or initiatives that you're really seeing as being a big boon for the hospital in the coming year? Well, I'll tell you that, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I hope I don't disappoint you with this answer because again, it's going to be COVID related. And what I'm really excited about is the possibility of 2022 bringing an end to the pandemic. You know, depending upon who you read, the 1918 Spanish flu pandemic lasted two to three years and they didn't have a vaccine. You know, we do, and we've got a booster, and we've got the possibility of variant-specific vaccines being developed by um, some of the um, mRNA um, vaccine manufacturers. Um, so we're two years in, and the time is ripe. And with Omicron as contagious as it is, even without a specific vaccine, it may end up hitting enough people that we end up reaching that holy grail of herd immunity. And it's um, fortunate that it seems the data is holding up that it seems to cause less severe disease than the previous variants have. Absolutely. I, I can imagine that's definitely, to see the light out at the end of the tunnel is important. Is there anything else that makes you nervous as well? Well, on the flip side of the coin, what makes me nervous is that perhaps none of this will occur and the, and the, well, a new variant comes up that um, escapes immunity even more than Omicron did. You know, time will tell, um, but that's something in the back of my mind. I, I like cautious optimism, but that's the one thing that kind of keeps me from... Um, Keeps me up at night. Absolutely. So I know earlier in our discussion, you talked about obviously managing anxieties, working with your team in order to um, keep everybody excited to move forward and doing what they need to do. Um, but the flip side, you know, obviously not knowing what the future holds, what is the messaging there and how do you, um, I guess, motivate people or keep people um, going day in and day out when we're still within this pandemic? Well, you know, one thing that I did before this pandemic hit is I sent out a Friday newsletter to our medical staff and it was kind of lighthearted and, and it did have kind of news you can use tidbits in it, but it was kind of 
I try to weave it into a humorous story about, you know, events from the past week and um, it's called Happy Friday Docs and it enjoyed pretty good readership amongst our medical staff. And whenever the pandemic came and I had mentioned previously, it became clear to me that I was going to have to do a lot to manage anxieties. And so my newsletter kind of turned into a COVID-19 information vehicle and Sometimes I send it out more frequently than every Friday. I think, you know, early in the pandemic, I would send two, three, or four of them out a week. You know, you may remember guidance changed um, daily, if not hourly at times. And so there was always fresh information to get out to them. And keeping that open chain of communication to them um, is what has really been what I've done to try to, you know, keep the medical staff informed, keep them, um, keep their man manage their anxieties, keep their anxieties at bay. Um, you know, people crave information and information is an anxiolytic in and of itself. If people know what's going on, they tend to be less anxious. They tend to fill in the gaps with their own mind less. And so I try to constantly feed that desire for information and it really does seem to have paid off. Um, the other thing that we did is, you know, we've got a top doc award that we give out, um, Aside from like physician of the year, we have a top doc award that we give out. If um, someone recognizes a physician for going above and beyond, we get a cadre from the administration to go find them and read the nomination aloud to them in front of their colleagues and then present them with this badge lanyard that says Mercy General Hospital top doc. And during the pandemic, we really stepped those up and um, just the frequent recognitions of, of people who were, you know, just showing up and doing good work every day. Um, again, really seems to have gone a long way to, um, to keeping people engaged. And, you know, that's kind of in this sort of environment, engagement is, is a very difficult thing to come by. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Jackson, I have one more question for you before we wrap up our discussion. How do you anticipate your roles and teams will evolve over the next 12 months or so? Well, you know, I think it's obvious. Our people are tired and you hear about that everywhere and our place is no exception. You know, we're doing all that we can to support them. As we look to transition out of the pandemic world and into an endemic one, you know, the impact of COVID-19 had on our people is going to continue for quite some time. And so because of this, I see myself becoming more of a chief well-being officer. Um, we also hope to be in a position to unwind some of the operational changes that we made during the pandemic, like loosening restrictions on patient visitation, being able to take stop wearing masks in the facility, the physical distancing piece, et cetera. Um, so our team will be spending a lot of time studying the ongoing threat um, to identify when we can do these things safely. And we're definitely looking forward to the return of in-person meetings. Um, Zoom had its place, but you know, Zoom fatigue is, is real as well. Absolutely. That's fascinating to hear and kind of think about, especially looking at, like you said, unwinding some of the policies that were put in place during COVID, the impact of, of that. And then looking at the your role as becoming um, more of a chief well-being officer, worrying about you know the staff making sure they're okay, as well as the physicians and supporting them in order to ensure they're able to care for patients as well. So I, I just think that's fascinating and uh, look forward to connecting with you in the future to learn more about that as we go along. Well, thank you, Laura. I hope I have some good things to share. Um, it's, you know, I, it's quite uncertain what the future is going to hold with this, but, um, you know, I kind of hold on to cautious optimism. That's what keeps me showing up every day. Absolutely. I think I'm right there with you. So thank you, Dr. Jackson, <laughs> for being on the podcast and we'll be in touch soon.
Uh, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure.